0: Good morning, basketball fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cottrell, with more than 10 years of NCAA Division I and Division II men's basketball coaching experience with relationships in college basketball across the nation and across all levels. Every week, I work to bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, and insight from men's basketball at the NCAA Division II NCAA Division III, NAIA, NCCAA, and the USCAA levels. Combined, these levels of college basketball beyond Division I account for nearly 1,200 small colleges and universities across the country. We are here to celebrate their basketball programs, players, coaches, and history together. The Small College Basketball Podcast is a production of smallcollegebasketball.com and founder John McCarthy on a mission to unite all people with a passion for small college basketball. Welcome back, small college basketball fans. In today's episode, I spent 45 minutes talking Division Three hoops with Yeshiva University head men's basketball coach, Elliot Steinmetz. Coach Steinmetz is currently in his seventh season as the head men's basketball coach at Yeshiva. In his first six seasons, he led the men's basketball team to the Skyline Conference Championships each year. In the 2017-2018 season, Yeshiva won their first Skyline Conference Championship, earned their first NCAA Division Tournament bid in school history. And during the pandemic-shortened season of 2019-2020, Yeshiva Under the direction of Coach Steinmetz, won 29 consecutive games, captured the Skyline regular season and tournament championships. They climbed as high as number eight in the country. Coach Steinmetz has been voted NCAA Division III Coach of the Year on three different occasions. Yeshiva currently, as of this recording, has the longest winning streak in the nation, dating back to that COVID-shortened season of 1920. Yeshiva University they have won 47 straight games, and I hope that we're putting, now that we're putting this out there, we don't jinx it, but as of this recording, Yeshiva University has won 47 consecutive games, an incredible record, and really an incredible program. The more research I did, I'm very excited to welcome Coach Elliot Steinmetz to the Small College Basketball Podcast. Coach, thanks for being here and, and taking the time to, uh, to talk about your program with us
1: i appreciate it chris thanks for having
0: me on absolutely and and if we could just tell the listeners a little bit about your institution i'm sure if you're not following division three basketball or if you're not following division three basketball very closely you haven't heard of yeshiva university i certainly hadn't you're located in new york city you play in the skyline conference tell the listeners if you would just introduce your uh, your institution
1: Sure. So Yeshiva University is actually a, it's an Orthodox Jewish institution in upper Manhattan, uh, Washington Heights area. Pretty small school. Um, I, I, I think there's maybe 1500 students in the school. Um, it's a, uh, you know, been been around, I would say, I, I wish I knew the number of years, but a very, very long time. Um, probably more often known as uh, as 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 a university that turns out, uh you know, rabbinic students and and, and rabbis than, uh, than, than basketball players. But you know, obviously, being a modern Orthodox Orthodox institution, uh, we have you know all, all kinds of uh, professionals coming out of the school, um, and we do, as you said, play in the Skyline Conference. I think we've been in the conference since right around two thousand.
0: Okay, very good, very good. And as of this recording, you have an incredible streak. Uh, I know you play. I think to uh, coming up this weekend, you played on Monday. And you got to win. So 47 straight games. Um, in my entire career, I haven't won 47 games as a high school coach or a, or a college coach combined. So what's it like to have a streak like that going for a small college basketball program like Yeshiva? What's it like in the locker room? How do the guys feel about it? What's the mood you know, surrounding not only being number one in the country but also having this incredible winning streak? So it's interesting, you know, and I know it sounds cliche. We don't we don't talk about it much. Um, you know,
1: we hear about it a lot. You know, media obviously loves to talk about it. Fans, you know, our fans love to talk about it on uh, on Twitter and uh, and everywhere else. We really have not, as a team, once discussed it. It's 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 funny. It's you know, it goes back going back two years to the uh, Sweet 16. There wasn't one point during that entire year where any of us kind of realized that we were on any sort of winning streak. We just kind of felt like we were winning one game at a time and just really, really focused on it. And, and I think that's, you know, kind of the advantage we've had is this maturity of having some, you know, some older guys and they're, they're really focused and they really, they really, they really follow that cliche of one game at a time. And, you know, I think the only time we ever probably really looked at it, to be, to be totally honest, was last year during that, you know, seven game COVID season where there was where we knew there was no postseason and there was kind of nothing else to, you know, like, focus on and, and, and get motivated by besides obviously, you know, you know, winning games, but it was, it was kind of gave the guys like a little extra edge. Um, you know, but then once we hit this year where we were back to, you know, a relatively um, normal season, it, it kind of went away again. It's not something the guys talk about and not something we focus on and not something we really think is, you know, all that important. Uh, but if you want really impressive, the, the hope women's college team, I think is up to like 52.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's really impressive. Yeah, fifty-two is really good. I definitely haven't won fifty-two games in my coaching career. <laughs> uh, that is for sure. So, th- you talk about you talk about um, that. You know the cliche. You know, taking it one game at a time. The guys aren't focused on it. They hear it, but they don't talk about it. You know, all that sounds cliche. But I think what is important to point out to the listeners is there is so much. Uh, there's so much like good coaching and can high level consistent performance that we don't hear about. That's not the new England Patriots or not Alabama football or not Duke basketball. Like it goes on throughout the country and at all levels, you know, what is it for you at Yeshiva? Because you have a very unique institution, a very unique makeup of players. What goes into that consistent high level performance coach at your institution in your program? I, I have really, really smart players. Um, and, and we've been lucky enough to
1: kind of couple that with, with some real talent and depth over the last few years. And, and I think the combination of the two of them makes, you know, it, it makes any coach look good. It certainly makes my job very, very easy. Um, you know, we come in with a plan and we, you know, we certainly, uh, you know, we certainly work hard, obviously off season, trying to prepare for how we want our guys to, you know, to run and what we want to do in our practices. And, you know, our guys come out there and, and they don't just execute, they, they understand what they're executing and, and it makes, it makes our lives a lot easier. So when we're out on the court, we really do, you know, we really do have a, you know, a few coaches on the floor, so to speak. And, um, you know, it makes, it makes it, it makes things look, uh, all,
0: you know, probably a a lot simpler than they than they really are yeah and what have you done you know what goes into that for you what do you talk about every day with your players
1: we really try to preach a lot more about chemistry and 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 selflessness um over anything else it's 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 kind of you know getting this many guys who have that much talent and we probably have i would say seven eight maybe even nine guys who are capable of of really scoring double digit points on this team. And, and, and you know how it is. There's, there's 200 playable minutes, there's one basketball and and all that's got to get split up and not everybody's going to get 25 every night. And it's kind of an, you know, getting guys to buy in and have an understanding that, at the end of the day, we're just chasing letters, not numbers. We're trying to get W's and we don't really you know, care about how we get there and what the stats are and who's putting up what in terms of points and, and, and assists and rebounds. It's just, you know, a common goal of picking up one win every time we get on the court. Um, and, you know, thank Thankfully we've had the right leadership and, and
0: the right maturity in terms of our guys that they've really bought into that message. I love that chase letters, not numbers. I mean, you're chasing W's. I love that. Uh, what a great, what a great saying. So, Coach, seven years ago, you're named uh, as the head coach at Yeshiva University. Where was the program seven years ago? What was the state of Yeshiva University men's basketball seven years ago when you took over? And what have you done throughout your career at Yeshiva to get things where they are now? So I think it was on its way up. You know, I, I you know, I, I,
1: record-wise, they may not have had had the greatest record over, you know, the few years prior. But you know, I think the program itself was was already in in kind of a turning direction on the way towards where we're heading now. And you know, I think you know the coach before me, who who was there for forty-two years, is probably the reason we were ever on the map to start with, and certainly is the reason we ended up in in a conference like the Skyline and and having a chance to compete for an automatic bid every year. Um, And, you know, I I was lucky enough to come in and have the opportunity to hit the ground running, you know, with a couple of good players and and, uh, you know, bring a couple of guys in early and get going. Um, I think it was, you know, trying to kind of take that next step where where we were looking at, you know, uh, mediocrity wasn't the goal. It was it was really taking that next step and trying to find guys who believed that we were going to compete nationally. Because um, it wasn't something that that yeshiva had done previously. We, we never really were on the national, uh, in the national picture, and 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 being discussed in terms of rankings or NCA tournament, or even you know, or even winning a conference. And it was it was finding the right guys who kind of, you know, could have that mentality and and look at things a different way, and 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 you know, maybe straddle that line between you know, ballsy and stupid. Um, in terms of what we were going to accomplish. And, and, you know, I found a couple of
0: guys like that about five years ago, and everything else kind of snowballed from there. I love that you've talked about, you know, bringing Yeshiva to the national stage to compete nationally and finding guys that can compete nationally. You're, you're coaching at your alma mater. You played at Yeshiva between 1999 and 2002. So what's it like now as the head coach at your alma mater to be reaching such unprecedented heights and to have such achievements. Like how does that feel for you personally? And what does it mean to you and to the institution? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, that part of it is great. it's great. It's,
1: it's somewhere where, you know, I feel at home, obviously, and, and some, it's, a, it's a special place. Uh, you know, the, the student body is great. The faculty is great. The administration is great. There's just, there's just really, really good people involved in that school. Um, and, you know, there's, there's obviously, you know, there's, a, there's a certainly a, a religious aspect to it of, of, of a, you know, a prideful feeling of kind of, you know, doing something that, that we've never done before. And, and, and you know, kind of a, just a, a feeling of home um, you know, when we're there and, and, you know, I I felt that way when I played there, I felt that way as a student. Um, and I certainly feel that way now as a coach, there's just kind of a different level of pride than, than, you know, maybe there
0: would be anywhere else. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys, you guys have certainly done a remarkable job. You and your staff have done a remarkable job. Talk about some of the people who have helped you get to this point throughout your career and throughout your time at Yeshiva.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, most importantly, obviously, would be you know my, my parents. You know, my father was my father was a high school coach, and uh, my mom was you know probably the uh, the craziest mom in the stands, yelling at refs during uh, my high school games, or, or put, <laughs> putting me outside in the middle of the winter to shoot fast so yeah, parents were very supportive and really kind of gave me a, a love for the game growing up and, um, you know, know, definitely motivated me to kind of keep, even, even when I was getting cut from my uh, basketball team in junior high school, uh, there, there was never any uh, calling the school or calling the coach. It was always, uh, you know, hey, we'll put a court in the backyard, why don't you go practice? And kind of continuing to, you know, give me that motivation to, to work harder at it and then you know, getting into it, um, there were definitely people along the line, obviously, that I, that I learned a ton from. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a mentor who I talk to pretty much every you know, out of Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore who I've been talking to since I coached uh, literally my first year or second year of high school ball which is uh coach Harold Katz who's hates when I ever put his name out there but, <laughs> but but I'm gonna do it anyway but um he's someone who's taught me a ton about the game and he'll he'll probably he'll probably he probably has forgotten more about the game than, than I'll ever know but it's uh, a great resource for me and then I'm lucky enough to have an unbelievable coaching staff i really have you know great just great people around me i you know joe schwartz who's been with me for a few years and mike sweetney who's uh, you know a former pro and a former d1 guy who gives you know just a different mindset and a different approach um that our guys are able to kind of draw from um and then i'm you know lucky enough to actually have c- a couple of coach Katz's sons with me um who are extremely helpful especially <laughs> with our scouting and our and our, and our film work um, and then we have, uh, you know, a very close friend of mine who's working with us, uh, Yoni Kohn, who's one of our assistants who, you know, helps a ton with our guys and and you know, involved in a lot of their academic stuff and just kind of, you know, keeping them uh, in line with school and everything. So without without all those guys, especially since this is not my
0: full time job, we, we'd be nowhere. And you mentioned this is not your full time job. We talked about that a little bit in our correspondence. Yeah. How do you find the time, man? I mean, you guys are, you guys have won, you know, 47 straight games, you know,
1: what, how do you, how do you do it? So there's, there's two important things. Number one, I have really, really good players <laughs> and, and, and number two, I don't sleep a lot. Okay, um, I, I'm I'm pretty much under the weather from, uh, you know, I, I October through through March every year just because I'm getting such such a little sleep. But it's uh, it's worth it. You know, I, I don't need my alarm. I, we, we practice at like 6.15 in the morning every day and or most days, and uh, I, I haven't needed my alarm to wake me up once. It's I will be with the guys and to, you know, teach and learn and, and just be part of it.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And so I have to correct myself as we look forward to talking about this season. You won 29 games. Seven games, and you've won 11 uh, so far this season. And let's talk about this season. You know, uh, currently the number one team in the nation. You're 11 and 0, you're 7 and 0 in the Skyline Conference. You've got three games remaining before Christmas break as of this recording. So, where you are right now, tell us about the state of your team. Uh, tell us about the state of, you know, maybe the guys, the mindset as you're entering the heart of skyline conference play in January where, you know, what's the feeling right now in the locker room? Yeah, I think the feeling is that we, you know,
1: we we and, and and it's a good thing, but we we haven't played our best ball yet. You know, I'm not sure we're really uh, deserving of number 1, but well, you know, we're certainly not turning it down. Um it's, you know, obviously an exciting thing and it's good recognition, I guess, of of, of what we've done in the past and, you know, as everyone knows, it doesn't doesn't get you a win tomorrow, but it's uh, you know, certainly a nice thing to kind of see up there. Um I think we have a lot of work to do. We, you know, we we've we've played really really well in stretches um we've also struggled a lot in stretches and i think uh that's kind of where you want to be in november and december is you know figuring your you know figuring it out and finding your way and you know trying to kind of trend up and i think we've you know we've played a little bit better i think the last couple of games um as as compared to the you know three four games before that and that's you know definitely a positive for us and you know we'll, we'll do a film session uh after our game, we have a game tomorrow night. We'll do a film session Friday morning and try to continue to find ways to keep getting better as each of these games come up. And you know, m- my hope is that as we get into January and February, we'll start to play our best ball. Are your film sessions at six fifteen in the morning? Uh, they they vary. Uh, this one, <laughs> this one will be. Um, I, I think I think we, we gave them a late day and we made it six forty five. I think on nice. Friday morning. Nice. But, um, <laughs> You know, it depends on the week. It depends on the on the day.
0: Yeah, and how's how was the conference? What can you tell listeners about the Skyline Conference?
1: Our conference is tough. I mean, you know, I, I know, I know the Skyline doesn't get a ton of um, a ton of great press and and, and a ton of respect for, for some reason. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, our conference did a really really good job in their non conference schedule. Uh, you know, there were some pretty big wins against some pretty big conference teams. You know, from top to bottom of our conference, um, you know, uh, there's some really good coaches. There's some really good players. A lot of athletic teams, a lot of good, you know, just, just it's every game's a challenge. That's just what it is, and it doesn't matter. Like you, you could, you could be the best team in your conference, and it's just, you know, we we went undefeated in the conference two years ago, and there were games where we walked out, we were just lucky to, you know, walk back into the locker room with a W, and you know, every game is just, just you know, a war and a challenge.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's that's one thing that listeners you know, I hope we could impress upon them throughout the podcast is they're such good basketball at all levels, you know, the Skyline Conference uh, included. And, you know, like you have, to, you have to play good games every night, good teams every night. And we're talking about the Skyline Conference. I was doing a little research on Twitter. We talked about, uh, you know, social media. I read today that you're going to be traveling out to the Midwest next season. I think Illinois Wesleyan, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and they're the number three team in the country right so number one playing number three next year there's no telling where you'll be in the rankings but what kind of game is that for you to be able to to first be able to get that game on the schedule for yeshiva and and number two you know what does it mean um what does it mean to your program like that's a game people are talking about a year in advance
1: so we're we're actually playing them in 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 a couple weeks they're coming to us december 30th this year oh really okay yeah, okay. so that's that's a game that people are talking about. I mean, we're, we're not yet. We're kind of not up to it, but it's obviously exciting because, you know, it, it seems as things are going, we'll probably be both ranked in the top five or ten at that point um, and, you know, should be a really good matchup. And especially, you know, for us, we, we've struggled to get games against some of the top-ranked teams for whatever reason. Um, this one was actually born out of social media. It was <laughs> one of the alum there who's, uh, you know, a social media presence in, in D3 Hoops who does a lot of coverage and gives a lot of exposure to d three players and teams, uh, a guy named Bob Quillman actually yes. um, reached out through social media and kind of helped us set that one up. And, you know, thanks to Coach Rose and, and Illinois Wesleyan for, you know, being willing to come out here, obviously, this year in New York. And then, you know, obviously, even more so to hosting us next year, it'll be a great trip for us and a great experience. You know, that it's important. It's something that I've been chasing you know, yep. since I got here eight years ago and, and trying to find tough games and tough conferences different places and finding ways for our guys you know win or lose to have good experiences and to play some of the best competition and find ways to continue to get better you know you, you you get better when you play better teams even if even if it means you get beat sometimes and you know for us that's I think been you know a big reason why we've been on this program over the last few years is you know sometimes taking our hits and then you know learning how to win those games as we've as we've you know grown and recruited and gotten better.
0: Yeah, so I want to correct myself and, and make up for that, that little mistake. You play number three in the country, Illinois Wesleyan, on December 30th at home, right? right. So that's a game that's happening this year, uh, and my apologies, but it, it, it is a return game going out there next season, correct? It, it, it is. I mean, it was, they, were, they were nice enough to invite us out there for their, uh, for
1: their tournament, which we're excited because we'll actually get two games out there.
0: Very good. Very good. So that's, that's a game to put in the radar for the listeners. You know, December 30th, Illinois Wesleyan, Yeshiva University, top five matchup in, in division three hoops, uh, talking about your game coach and your, your program, like you guys are averaging 91 points per game. You're holding your opponents, which I think is incredibly impressive. 36% from the field, giving up only 59 points per game. When, when fans tune in, let's say we have people tuning in to watch live, uh, you know, number number three in the country going against number one Yeshiva. What a fans! What can a fan expect to see when they watch your your team play? So it's, it's a combination of
1: things, and I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, the defense, and we, have, we certainly have work to do, but you know, uh, you know, our, our offense has gotten a lot of coverage and a lot of exposure and a lot of press over the last couple of years just because of the, you know, the, the numbers and the shooting percentages, and, and some of our guys are putting up numbers, and, and I, I always love to point out we're, pre- we're pretty good defensively. <laughs> and, yeah, 36% uh, you
0: know, top 10 in the country. Yeah. So we're,
1: we're, we're up there. We, we defend pretty well. And I, you know, I think, I think what you'll see is you'll see, you know, five guys on the floor at, at all times who who are working hard, who are, you know, trying to execute our scheme defensively as best they can. And, and, and more so than that is when, you know, nobody's obviously no, nobody's perfect and no teams play perfect games. But when we make a mistake, guys see it, guys understand it, they recognize it. And then they correct it and they generally don't make that mistake again too many times. Um, and I think that's what you'll see a lot of on the defensive side, and on, on the offensive side, if we're if we're if we're playing the way we play, you'll see a lot of movement, a lot of ball movement, not a lot of dribbling, a lot of bodies getting hit with screens, and you know, and, and hopefully some good passing and some good shooting. But uh, you know, what, what you'll see is you'll see a team that really you know tries to work together and tries to work for each other.
0: And you talked about you talked about the numbers that some of your guys are putting up, and I love this quote. I saw, it, uh, I saw it a couple of weeks ago. You, got, you guys struggled and won a, a close game, and Terrell had, I think he had 51 points. Mm-hmm. And in your, in your post-game quotes, you made the comment, you know, it's nice to have someone that can give you 51 when your offense struggles. And <laughs> like, that's not, I mean, somebody giving you 51 when your offense is struggling is one guy that's really, really good. And I want to start with Ryan Terrell. You know, he averages 28 and a half points per game, six rebounds per game. He's 46% from, from the field. And from three, from beyond the arc, he's 60%. Like we said, he, he had 51 against Manhattanville. What kind of player is Ryan Terrell for you guys, besides an offensive savior? Yeah, well he, he's all, he's also one of
1: our better defensive players. He he's really just he's special. I mean he's 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 got he's got the whole package. He can he can play in the post, he can shoot outside, he can score off the dribble, he defends, he'll take the other team's best guy if we need him to. Um and he's you know oh and he's six six and you know can handle the ball. So, you know, he's look, he's he's probably a future pro. Um, and, uh, you know, more than that, he, he's just a great kid who works his butt off and he's a great leader and just a, you know, good all around kid to have in your program in, in kind of every level.
0: Yeah. Preseason All-American. He's from Los Angeles. How did that recruitment go?
1: Um, interestingly enough, his, his
0: brother had played
1: for me actually a few years before him. And, uh, so I had to, you know, have the relationship with the family, obviously. And, uh, you know, our world's a little different with the recruiting and, and, and you know, being able to kind of get you know, to some of the, uh, the Jewish schools where some of these kids are playing, there's, there's a good connection obviously. And it's just, you know, it makes that process a a little bit more, um, probably a little bit, a little bit easier in terms of reaching out. And, uh, you know, he was looking obviously at a, at a number of division one offers and division one schools. And ultimately, you know, it it takes a special kind of kid to kind of turn that down and decide he wants to do something special. And that, that was something that he wanted to do. And, you know, thankfully, uh, thankfully it's paid off for him. You know, he's getting the exposure out of it, and he's uh, had a lot of success. And he's, you know, thankfully getting uh, getting some good next level looks now.
0: Yeah, and, and you you have Ryan Terrell who plays inside and out. I, I love the clips I saw on him. He just he has a, an ability to impact the game. You know, he just really makes when he plays. He impacts the game. He can shoot it. He can handle it, like you said, but also he defends really well with his length. He can guard just about one through five. And I'm, I also want to ask you about forward Gabriel Leifer. He's averaging nine points a game, ten rebounds a game, but he's already got eighty-six assists mm-hmm. on the year. He's average. He's averaging seven and a half assists per game. Like, how does he? How does he fit into what you do offensively? Because when I looked at the stat line and, and read his bio, I was very curious to hear your take. Yeah, he's um,
1: he is probably it's not the most valuable player i've ever been around i mean he's just the highest certainly the highest iq player i've ever had he's has just an understanding of the game that that is is different he sees it in a different speed than everybody else so you know we, we sometimes watch film after a game and we'll watch a play develop and watch him make a pass and when you slow down the film it's it's it was almost like he saw it before it happened um, you know, even as coaches watching the game live and even on film, we're not seeing the play develop as quickly as he is. And he's throwing the ball already, you know, where the guy is going to be. And there's just there's an understanding there and then just a natural instinct that he has. Um, that's just beyond anything I've really seen. Um, in, in, in You know, as a coach, um, he's, you know, he had triple double the other night and that's kind of you know, where he's kind of flirts with one almost every night, honestly. And, you know, his his scoring numbers have been a little bit down this year compared to his career, where I think he's something about 15 or 16 a game over his career, and that's something he's done by choice, where he's chosen with the talent we've have around him to kind of get other guys involved and, and focus more on, you know, making sure he's facilitating and, and, and making sure our offense is humming before he kind of goes after his own. And that's the kind of kid he is and the kind of player he is. And, you know, if, if you needed one word to describe that kid from the time he played in high school till you know through his college career he, he's a winner i mean that's kid who was i think 35 and 0 his senior year in high school and uh you know i, I can't even start to calculate what his what his record is at yeshiva but it's it's pretty darn good
0: it's really good it's got to be really good he's uh 6-6 forward gabriel leifer 16 points against brooklyn the other night 16 points 12 rebounds 10 assists so a triple double uh, for Gabriel life for a really impressive forward to keep an eye on going uh, into the future. And, and two more guys I want to mention that. I don't want you to talk about, you know, some of the rest of your team, but uh, a guard, Aton Helpert, 15 points per game. He's shooting 55% from the three point line. You know, you've got two guys over 50% from three with Helpert and with Terrell. Um, I mean, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to guard.
1: Yeah, Aton's Eton, our, our motor. Um, he's our motor. He's just, you know, a ball of energy. He is a just as confident as he is energetic. Um, you know, he gets out there and just he really, he you know, kind of like most of these guys, but he he really understands what we're trying to accomplish and what we're doing. And he's just never been afraid of a big moment, never been afraid to take a big shot and most of the time hits him. But he's, uh, he's a special shooter. Um, you know, he can do a lot of other things as well. Gets to the basket really well too. And he happens to be a terrific passer. Um, but he's also a pest defensively. So he's, you know, another one who's, you know, one of the things we have this year that we're lucky with is that some of our best offensive players are also our best defensive players. So we're really, you know, kind of able to keep guys out on the floor, um, and, and get production on both sides, which is, which is not always the case. Sometimes you're kind of, you know, playing around with defensive lineups and offensive lineups and, and ours kind of, uh, overlap in a big way this year.
0: And and what about OFEC Reef? Sixteen points per game. He's sixty-two percent from the field. You know, you have you have seven players who are playing significant minutes. You know, shooting over fifty percent from the field. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty incredible. Seven guys, um, seven guys over forty percent, and you know, six guys over fifty percent from the field, and they're all playing more than. 15 minutes a game, I mean, that's pretty significant for your depth. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, Ofec
1: is, I think, one of the things that, you know, kind of rounds us out makes us different. Um, you know, if, if Aton is our motor, then, then Ofec's kind of our attitude. Um, you know, I, I, he's, he is, in terms of the levels I've coached, he's, he's the best player I've ever had in terms of finishing around the basket. Um, his ability to get to the rim, uh, both in transition and in half court, whether it's with the ball or without it. Um, it's just it's just different. He has a you know he has a real good read on the floor, and you know especially in our motion and, and what we're running offensively, he has a real ability to kind of you know see holes and, and make a cut to the basket and find himself open, um, and at the same time take you off the dribble, kind of bump you, and then finish at the rim. Uh, he's he's been awesome for us. He's you know his game has really matured over the last couple of years. He's re- he's technically a sophomore just because of the COVID year. He's obviously in his third year if you count the short year last year. Um, but he's improved tremendously each year. And, you know, one of the things he added to his game is, you know, he's shooting the ball from three at a pretty good clip now. And that's something that he's added over the last couple of years, which has really made him dangerous.
0: Yeah. OFAC Reef right now, you know, he's seven to 16 on the year, 44% from three. Uh, But coach, you know, I think one of the things that, that makes your, has to make your team go. When I look at your box scores, not only, not only do you guys shoot it at a really high levy shoot it and and score it at a high percentage but your assist to turnovers you're you're almost three to one I mean you guys are you guys are really uh really strong in your assist to turnover rate almost two to one sorry you guys are really strong in your assist to turnover ratio the ball ball moves really well and obviously that's a testament uh to Gabriel Lifer and some of the other guards you have
1: yeah and and Honestly, I think we you know we we do turn the ball over a little too much, and I'd like to get that number a little closer to two. But it, it's definitely you know a good stat for us. Um, you know the way we move
0: the ball, the way we share the ball,
1: you know we, we can kind of walk in at halftime. Look at our, we know if we're playing the right. Look at our numbers, and we're sitting with like you know eight or nine assists at halftime. Turnovers. We're we're not we're not running our stuff properly. You know, but we walk in sometimes, and we're looking at this. 15 assists and, and seven turnovers at the half we're feeling like we're in a little bit of a better place so that's a very generally a very telling stat for us is, is that assist the turnover um even even in the course of, of looking over stats at halftime and kind of seeing how things are running so it's uh you know it's, it's definitely important for us and you know one of the things i think we still need to clean up a little bit
0: is is how we take care of the ball absolutely well good stuff coach i mean talk about what's coming up for you guys obviously you have a big game uh we talked about a little bit on december thirtieth what else uh what else is coming down the line? Does your schedule one of the questions i i, I just thought of does your schedule change at all um giving the religious holidays coming up uh and and with your practices at the university? It does um so we actually don't
1: go on winter break till like mid January. Um, really? Just, okay. Yeah. We don't do finals till the beginning of January. So because of the Jewish holidays that are in the kind of October, November range, uh, this year, they were early October. Um, we just have a very different school schedule. So when everyone else is out for kind of Christmas, new year break, we're still there practicing. And, and, you know, even, even that two week break and we're, we're going to have a two week break between games at some point in the next week or so yeah. when everyone else is in finals, we're not, we'll just be practicing and kind of waiting to play. Um, and then everyone will go on break for Christmas, New Year's, and then we kind of end up with like a four- or five-week break because then everyone else comes back, and we first go into finals and then our break. And it's, uh, you know, it's something that we always looked at for some reason as a disadvantage, thinking that five weeks off was going to kill us. But it seems we always come out of
0: that break playing pretty well, so maybe the rest is good for us. Who knows? So you're in classes through like that December 15th game against New Jersey City? We're, yeah, we're, we're, we're yeah. in classes up to like – January. Wow. Okay. So you'll be in class. I mean, so everything's status quo up through the new year. Yep. And then you go on break. That's right. Interesting. Interesting. That break will last you into February? No. So
1: we'll, we'll come back. Actually, we'll come back early. Uh, the break probably ends somewhere around. I would say, I think it's probably something like January. I would say it's probably second week of January or something like that is the break. It's probably about 10, 12, 14 day break. Um, okay. but we'll bring our guys back probably around the 15th or 16th. And then I think we play on the 20th or 21st.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I if might, if I might be don't... off on
1: that. It might be a little later. We might even play I think it's the 26th. We, we maybe imply I'd have to look.
0: But... Yeah. So as I look at your schedule, you have about a 15 day window between right. games and then like a 22 day day, 22 day window between games. Right. Okay. So how challenging is that for, for like the guys to remain focused, I guess, in that kind of off in that off calendar.
1: It's, I mean, it's definitely tough. Cause you're not getting that, you know, you're going from competing, you know, every two, three days, all of a sudden to just kind of, we have practice and we right. have to find ways to keep competing and practice. But at the same time, it also gives guys a chance to kind of catch up on different things, whether it's social life, school, you know, other things that are going on and, you know, they they get their practices in and they're not worried about having a game at night. And it's just, it probably makes things a little less stressful for them for a couple of weeks. And it's probably a good, you know, probably a good little, a good little break for them. And then kind of come back refreshed and and mentally ready to compete.
0: Well, good. Well, wish you the best of luck going into conference play into the skyline conference. And I want to thank you for your time. I know it's a busy time of year. You obviously, uh, have a full-time job, and then you, you're coaching as well at Yeshiva. So I want to ask you, Coach, one final question, get you out of here. Um, former Division three player, alumnus of Yeshiva, you're the current head coach of the number one team in the country at the NCAA Division three level. So you've achieved quite a lot all at Division three. What does small college basketball, what does it mean to you? I look at it as, as as an opportunity for
1: you know people to kind of step up and 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 make a name for themselves. You know, it's 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 interesting. I, even uh, you know, I, I take the comparison, for example, into the the recruiting world to to, to baseball with my, with my own child who who plays baseball. Unfortunately, instead of basketball, mm-hmm. so I don't get to have him play for me. Um, but when we were going through the recruiting process for college for him. Um there were a lot of big schools involved and there were a lot of smaller schools involved and and there was a there was a real draw towards the you know kind of mid major small college um world because of the the opportunities that you have to kind of shine a little bit and to kind of grow and to have the, you know, a little bit more attention from, you know, from the coaching staff and to develop and to become something different. And I think it's the same thing for small college basketball. I think if you look at the programs around and some of the noise that some of the small colleges are making at every level, whether it's D1, D2, D3, NAIA, you know, junior college, whatever it is, um, the ability for players to kind of find a home and really, really get a chance to develop and, and shine at that level um, it's special. And, uh, and and it's something that I think is, um, you know, extremely valuable and, and that, uh, you know, is unique to a small college and not something you can experience necessarily at a bigger
0: college. Great stuff, coach. I love it. Uh, I've really appreciated our time together. I want to wish you the best of luck, uh, going forward with your season entering kind of the off-break uh, off calendar, so to speak, that you have coming up. This is a blast. We look forward to putting us up on the podcast, getting more people interested in Yeshiva University, number one in the country, NCAA Division Three. getting more people interested in the Skyline Conference, getting them more interested in D3 men's basketball. So, uh, Coach Elliot Steinmetz, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Small College Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, and I didn't get a chance, but thanks for everything you guys do and the, uh, the social media, the website, all that stuff is great, and it, you know really gives a platform for, for schools like ours, and we, uh, you should just know it's appreciated.
0: Well, thank you so much for the kind words. John McCarthy uh, does a terrific job. We're all just happy to work alongside him. Thank you, Coach. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible programs, players, coaches, and history of Small College Basketball. Please leave a review if you enjoyed listening to this episode and use the links attached to this episode to share the Small College Basketball Podcast. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow the Small College Basketball Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Please visit our website, www.smallcollegebasketball.com.